colleagues here, you may or may not know me from 90210 as Emily Valentine or the girl who killed Chucky in Child's Play 2. And thanks for listening to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, Christine Elise McCartney. Christine, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing very well right here in the Midwest, preparing for the cold, which is vastly approaching. How about yourself in La La Land? It's uh, not cold. <laughs> it was like 90 degrees, 90 degrees last week, so. Oh my god. So no no North Face jackets for you, no um um scully caps, none of that. Nope, those days are in my past. <laughs> um, take me back. Um how first of all, um how did you get started in the entertainment industry? Because, you know, I always find that fascinating how people, you know, direct themselves to the um entertainment field. So how did it work out for you? Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Yeah. How um, um do you remember Boston much? Like how like wh- how was Boston like for you? I was there till I was nineteen. So yeah, I remember very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, like well, I'm saying, but well, like, did you do you like now? Do you miss it? Do you like miss home or? No. Not My a- parents still live there. I haven't been back in three years. I, I very very seldom go back. I don't miss Boston at all. I miss my parents, but I don't miss Boston. Uh, okay, okay, and um, g- you know, getting involved. Like Thirty-two years or something. It's been like a really long time. So, <laughs> I guess it hurt. It was horribly, horribly homesick for the first year. But you know, I probably cried every day. Wow. But that was thirty. That was more than thirty years ago. So. Yeah. So you know, um, LA is your home. Cal- well, California is your home, and um. You're already used to, how is, you know, I hear so many stories about the traffic in L.A. How is it? Is it really that bad? No, it's not. In fact, it's 
my opinion that every major city that I have been to, including Boston, New York, and Seattle, and San Francisco, um, you know, every every big city I've ever been to has worse traffic than Los Angeles. I don't know why we have a bad reputation because it's a big spread out city. It's spread out on purpose to avoid the congestion in the Northeast and the Midwest half of cities that were built up rather than out. Um, and so I don't know what that, I, the 405 isn't fun at rush hour, but I know most of the freeways that I know of in major cities at rush hour. You know, the Long Island Expressway in New York is a nightmare too. And, you know, <laughs> so I don't know why we get a bad rap. I think we're better drivers too than most places in the country, and we don't have any weather. So I don't, you know, I don't know why we get a bad rap. I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> um, how would you describe yourself in terms of attitude and personality? Oh my god, I don't know. Cranky. <laughs> <laughs> Cranky. Well, are, you, do you need, you're the type, you're one of those types that needs like that cup of coffee in the morning, or? No. No? no I'm just, no, I'm gonna be 52, uh, and I, you know, I think sort of, as you get older, you become less and less, you, you suffer fools less gladly. Um, I would consider myself to be really friendly. I hope that I'm smart. Um, but I have, I have less and less patience as time goes on. I think it's just a natural function of age. Yeah. Um, what What was so appealing about acting to you for you getting involved in it? What was the, what was like the, what, what, what made you connect to acting? They let me do it. So it was a way for me to be creative and to be involved with filmmaking and television. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't think or finagle any other way in. And once I, and I hadn't known anybody ever who was an actor or anybody who ever did anything in television or film. So I had nobody, I had no mentor, I had no guide, I had nobody to learn from or to take advice from. Uh, and so when I got onto a set as an actor and, uh, and I saw what directors do, which was what I thought I wanted to do. I was sort of intimidated by the by the by the enormity of that job. And at 22, you know, women it had nothing to do with gender, but I know that women were um, continue to have a hard time getting work as directors. And I just uh, and it felt like acting didn't scare me as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been somebody to be a performer. I never, I'm always was too shy to ever consider doing that sort of thing. So it wasn't as scary to do as I expected. And then the other things that I thought I might want to do all of a sudden seemed very scary. So, I mean, acting is really the easiest job on the set, except for, like, craft service. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, if, 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 you're, if you're a remotely decent actor, and the writing is remotely, is remotely decent, and the other actors around you are remotely decent too. It's, it's sort of a job with a lot of um, buffers and a lot of help between people doing your hair and makeup and dressing you right and giving you good words to say, and then acting off of you, you know, and giving you something to work off of, and then good direction. I mean, it's such a collaborative thing, difficult to suck, um, <laughs> yet if you keep at it and, and really aspire to be good. Um, how important is memorizing lines? That's a major deal, right? Not for me. I happen to be very good at that. Um, it's something that comes easily to me. You have to know your lines, obviously. So it is an important thing. I was on a set today for the first time in a while in front of the camera. Oh. And it's the first time I've ever been told that we couldn't have... Uh, the, the pages that you're doing that day are called side 
and uh, you typically they give you these things called mini pages. You know, the, basically the script, the pages you're shooting from the, the script on that day, shrunken down to like a little five by six version that you can have it in your pocket to refer to um, as they progress and you move from scene to scene. And I was told this morning that the people that run this show don't like to see uh, scripts on the set, which I've never heard before. I've, I've never heard of anything like that before. Fortunately, it was small. Oh, I didn't tell what so it wasn't a big issue, but I have done jobs where I need those things to refer to all the way through the rehearsal process and stuff. So, um, yeah, so memorizing is important to me. If you don't have it memorized, then it's difficult to be in a moment, in the moment with your other, with the other actors and be reacting off what they're giving you if you are busy panicking about what your next line is. So it's important, but it's something that has typically come easy for me. Yeah. Um. What was um, one of like, one of the roles like you you um you shot for and you lost was there a role that you wish you got that you haven't gotten like you know any failure roles that you tried for yeah I read for the role of Monica Fred oh wow <laughs> really didn't get very far but I didn't I didn't get the offer I think the offer is Jennifer Aniston role and she said no she wanted to play Monica but I didn't get very far but I read that script and I knew then that it was one of the best. TV pilots I had ever read. Wow. Um, so yeah, that would have been that would have been nice. Uh, and I'm sure that other jobs um, that I really wanted in the moment they're not they're not jobs that as iconic as that that anybody hearing this would understand what I was talking about. So yeah, you want most jobs and you want to get most jobs. I think the biggest misconception about actors and their resume is people think that. An actor like myself, that my resume reflects my taste in um, TV and movies, which it doesn't necessarily. What it reflects is the jobs that I was given. Um, uh, you know, of course, I prefer to have the career of you know Philip Seymour Hoffman or you know Kate uh, Blanchett. I don't have those opportunities, um, so my taste for you know lies more along those lines. I don't get those choice, those chances, so I take what I am, what I you know what's was given to me. It's a rare job that I turned down. So, um, so yeah, I think, but, so people but, but think they, when they say, ask what I've done, and I tell them, and they say, oh, and they apologize. Oh, I just, sorry, I never watched that. I'm oh, sorry, I don't like it. Child spend movies or whatever. I have no investment in that. I don't, you know, I don't require that everybody, um, have somehow, you know, more access to seeing everything on my resume. And, and there's a lot of things in my resume that I only watched because I was in them. You know, they were things that necessarily fell into my taste or my sweet spot for entertainment. Yeah. Um. You know. You. You know. You've been in a lot of recurring roles, and you know. Famously, I'm sure everybody knows you as Emily Valentine on Beverly Hills 90210. Um, I definitely have to ask you questions about that. Um, first of all, how did you get the role, and um, what was it like being on the set of 90210? I got the role a traditional way. I had to audition for it. Um, there's, there's, there's an overlap between how I got 90210 and how I got ER. But um, both cases, the character, the prototype for the character was wild different. Than me. Mm -hmm. um, Fernando Tuano, they described her as, you know, dark head, gorgeous, with cascading curly red hair, like sort of a Julia Roberts type. Wow. And for ER, it was more of um, Helen Hunt from Mad About You, with sort of, you know, sort of a buttoned up, um, preppy, yucky type. Um, neither of the things 
or describe me. Um, and in the case of PR, I didn't know what the prototype was, so I just went in as myself and they changed the role to be me. In the case of 90210, um, I did know, but there's nothing I can do about it. I can't suddenly transform myself into Julia Roberts. So I went in as myself. I went actually in the audition wearing the outfit that I wear in the last song, that Breaking Up is Hard to Use song, in the end of the first episode. Wow. So it's like a boots and that pink top and a bunch of shorts. That's what I wore at the audition. Um, and they changed that role to be me, too. Um, so I got them, but I auditioned like everybody else. I had to go in and reach the cast managers and go back and reach the producers and go back and reach for Aaron Spelling. Um, so it was, you know, it's, it's a rare job that gets offered to me. I would say 95% of my resume, I got the old-fashioned way, which is just going in and auditioning. Um, and it was a great show to be on. It was a huge, it was a phenomenal, newly a phenomenon. Um, you know, I caught very quickly, like, when it was, it both were, like, causing riots and malls and stuff. <laughs> showed up, make appearances. So, it was my first show that was like that. I think ER was like that, too, but it didn't have teenage boys on it and it didn't have a teenage crowd. So, the response that I got in public from ER was nothing like the response everybody on 90210 got. So it was exciting. It was exciting to work with these people who were close to my age, a whole cast of people that were, you know, some of them within my age range. And and um, it's the first time that I would walk around in public and actually have people, like I would, I avoided certain places in the world because it was too uncomfortable because of screaming girls. Um, and a lot. Yeah. Last time. Yeah. yeah. That happened to me. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask you how intimidating was Aaron Spelling because you know you hear so much about him. He's you know success for a lot of shows. Um, how how was it like meeting him? Was it was it really intimidating for you? It's intimidating uh, in that um, his office was huge, like like a football field, and it was wow. had like you know four inch thick white shag carpeting, and he is you know a TV icon. And that's, uh, because I'm so terrified at all auditions that it's just a tiny increment, increment worse uh, when it gets to, like, having to read for the network or having to read for somebody like Aaron Spelling. So I'm already so afraid, even at the first audition. There's not, there's not much, you know, there's not much more room for growth uh, and being terrified. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was scary. He's a lovely, I can't, got to know him, though, and uh, he, he, as P and um, Kim O'Connor, who was on in the heat of with me, was an icon You know, you've been in a lot of roles, but in a lot of films. Um, Child's Play 2, it's a, like a cult following. Every, either you watch Chucky, you hate it, or you love it. Um, was you a person that loved horror movies, or it was just work for you? It was just work for me. I hadn't seen the first one when I got the second one. Well, oh. I the first one. Once I got the second one, I loved the first one. It was great. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the seventh one. I saw the sixth one. Curse of Chucky, I saw. Oh, wow, yeah. And I also really liked the, like, the return to sort of the old school sort of um, less campy, more straightforward horror. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I wasn't all the movies, but 
at that, at that period, they were sort of, in the 80s, it was like Halloween and Friday the 13th, and that sort of, um, those franchises began in the 80s, and I've seen them all. I've seen the first one of, of each of the, of the like, sort of iconic ones that everybody knows. Um, but uh, I wouldn't, I'm not a fan of that kind of horror, the sort of jump scare slasher horror where you can, you know, two teenagers are having sex in a bunk bed, and of course they're both going to die, or somebody looks skinny dipping in a pond, and of course they're going to die, or they're going to go in the basement, and of course they're going to die. Like those, are, those are, you know, things that have gone on to be made fun of a great deal. Never really appealed to me. I like smarter, sort of more psychological uh, stuff. Uh, also, you know, you've you know acted movies, and you're also a writer too. You wrote the book Dating and the Single Girl. Um, how did writing came about, and what inspired you to write this not this book? I've always wanted. I've always written sort of for myself, and I wanted to. I wrote a couple of episodes of Channel Two. Oh, okay. Um, that, that oh, do you, do you know which ones you wrote offhand, or? I remember that. <laughs> yeah. What's that? No, I said, I said I'm laughing not at it because he threw it down the stairs. I'm laughing because I remember that episode. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. I remember that. When you write for a show like that, though, it's just that I came in and said, hey, I have an idea. What if Ray Pruitt throws on down the stairs? I don't get to like they because it's a serial. It's a soap opera basically, and the story arcs are already sort of penciled in for the whole season, so they know what's going to happen for a stroke. And when they hand you an episode. Those strokes are in place. You Bathing book, I take a bath, bathingbook.com. 
uh, if you go to the film tab, there's a place that no one can watch the film. And after a hundred film festivals, somebody said, hey, that, that's really funny. If you have more stories, you should write a novel. So I wrote a novel. Wow. And it's my proudest achievement in life. It's genuinely, I promise it's genuinely funny. It's genuinely dirty. Uh, not dirty like Fifty Shades of Grey erotica. It's dirty <laughs> like raunchy, embarrassing, horrible, awkward sex. Not, not sexy. It's the opposite of sexy. Yeah. All the sex in it is just the worst, most horrible sex ever. <laughs> <laughs> is it like sort of based on your life, or this is just something you just came up with? It's, well, inevitably, all writing is going to have some inspiration from your own life. Um, <laughs> The book is fiction, though. It's not a memoir. It's not, it's not, it's fiction. Um, I intentionally gave the, the protagonist in the book, the female lead in the book, uh, a lot of overlapping biographical details that uh, was mine. Mm-hmm. Because I knew people would either want to think it was real or think it was real whether I told them it was, wasn't or not. So I, I thought, honestly, is that gray? Uh, I'll make it intentionally gray and blur the line between that character and me and let people think what they want to think. Uh, okay. Um, Christine, um, what's the, um, what's the single best piece of advice you've been ever given? Well, that's a hard question to answer. I would say the best, the, uh, if you listen to the story I just told, I, I did a, a, a my book is a, was born of people telling me to take the next step. Mm-hmm. You should do this thing at the theater. You should make it. You should shoot it. You should make a short film. You should go to festivals. You should write a book. So those, that, that sort of genesis led to the most, this is the thing I'm proudest of in my life, which is that novel that I wrote. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't have any specific bit of advice that I got that struck me. Okay. I sort of fumbled my way around. But I will say that the best bit of advice I can give to anybody that wants do anything in film and television is to develop more than one skill, mm-hmm. um, especially a trade. If you, if you can do things that are in the trade, and that means either the sound, working in the sound department, working as an editor, working as a, a, a director of photography, having another skill beyond just, like, especially for actors, you just a lot of times um, art can fall into a trap of just being vain and lazy. Um, and it's not true of all actors, but it's true, I think, of a lot that don't succeed. I think that you, it's, it will be a writer. You know, writing is also a great thing. I'll produce or direct. I'll do other things and do it. Don't talk about doing it. Don't talk about, oh, I have a great idea for a screenplay. Write the fucking thing. You know, you can't, when I started working, everything was shot on film. And it was expensive to do anything. Now you can shoot a movie on the on an iPhone. I mean, there are, there are film festivals that screen nothing but movies that were shot entirely on an iPhone or shot and edited on an iPhone. So you really don't have an excuse not to be productive and creative if you really have it in you. You don't have an excuse anymore. It used to be, too, used to be cost prohibitive and now it is not. So the best advice I have for people is to do it. Do, do a short film however you can do it and submit it to film festivals whether you're an actor, writer, producer, director, whatever you might be, uh, and start getting your stuff out there. It's a very democratic world with the internet now. You can make, you can promote things in a way that you never used to have access to. Um, and, and I think that that's an incredible opportunity um, 
able to practice at the very least, if not actually have a giant success with a web series, at least you're practicing and you can put get things for your reel if you're an actor or a writer or whatever. I think there's a, there's a lot more opportunity for self-motivated people than there ever used to be. Mm. Any any regrets? Regrets. Um, I, I, I I said earlier that I said no very seldom to jobs. Um, okay. And uh, there's a few that I said no to that you know, no one would ever heard of them. It wasn't like I said no to doing Shimmer's List. Um, but Aaron Spelling off of me a TV series once that I said no to, and other uh, opportunities like uh, Carol O'Connor off of give me a spin-off of In the Heat of the Night, and I said no to that. Yeah. I didn't do, uh, I didn't do Mel's Place, which is supposed to be like a spin-off from Nano 2 yeah. I didn't do those things, because back then it used to be that if you wanted to do film, you did film, if you wanted to do TV, you did TV, and it, people very seldom were allowed to straddle that line. And I had always wanted to be a film actress because film was the edgier media. This is before cable, really, it wasn't, you know, there was, it was just network television and films and so uh, there was a big sort of a barrier there that eventually went away um had i known it was going to go away i would have said yes to those jobs because they were harmless and would have been fun to do and they would have paid me well and i would have met people on them that who knows what, what direction those people may have taken me professionally so i wish that i had said yes more uh, but I didn't say no that often. I didn't say no all the time. And I didn't say no to anything that went on to be huge. But I just feel like say yes. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm still stuck on that. I didn't know you, you was offered those spinoffs. That's, that's amazing. Wow. It's funny because there's people on, you know, TV now is almost like the new medium. And everyone who's an actor on film or like coming to television now or they do both. So it's kind of funny how but, things but change. You can't do one. You're not allowed to do one if you're not doing both at this point in time. Like, if you're a movie stars are doing TV shows. And, um, I mean, I just saw a preview for a new HBO show that's got Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a TV show. So, um, yeah, but that's not how it was back then. And it changed, it changed right around 20 years ago. It started to change a lot um, into where it is now. Um, I know you had a... Okay, and um, my final questions for you, Christine, is what would the Christine of today tell the Christine of yesterday? Chances and give people who have 
indicated they're not trustworthy second chances that they ultimately didn't deserve. So um, I would say, yeah, yeah, I would say put up with less and say yes more. <laughs> it sounds like a contradiction, but uh, it's not. Personally, I'd say no more and professionally, I'd say yes more. Uh, Christine, I thank you so much. You know, you've been such a pleasure to talk to, and congratulations on your success in your career. And um, I hope to see you in the in the screen as well. Thank you. You me both. Yeah, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. Thank you.